This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 404, Angie Kircher on Hypnotic Mindset. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. There is so much I know you're going to find value of inside of this conversation, and I can't wait for so many of you to get to meet Angie Kircher. She tells her story of how working as a hospice nurse kind of began her journey, an interesting moment where suddenly one of the common issues that we help our clients with became her reality, and then it was this mixture of hypnosis as well as coaching that really became the incredible pathway out of it. And inside of this journey, you're going to hear this thirst for ongoing knowledge, this desire to continuously do things better and better. And it brings me back to a program of mine called Hypnotic Workers, which, yes, you can check out over at hypnoticworkers.com. Yet more specifically, the name of that program refers to that person who is truly out there and genuinely seeing clients and making a difference in people's lives. We're in an industry where, yes, quite a number of you may be more on the part-time or even hobbyist side of things, yet it's from that educational side that we often kind of get stuck in that armchair philosophy or repeating things of tradition. And the term that comes to mind as I do this intro for this week's episode here with Angie is that of, again, truly being the worker and diving in. Uh, not making excuses, and you're going to hear some incredible insights as to how she puts her program together, how she brings clients into her world, and take note, this is one you're going to want to listen to a couple of times. You can head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. Head over to that and put the extension of forward slash 404. That will bring you over to the episode where you can find the show notes. You can see exactly how to connect directly with Angie and check out her website. Uh, Details again over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 404. And while you're there, check out worksmarthypnosislive.com. This is the live and online interactive training that brings in hypnotic phenomenon, brings in evidence-based hypnosis, brings in my co-host, Richard Nongard, and it's designed to help you to really amplify the results you're getting with your clients. So the cool thing about this event, though, is that about half of the people are who you'd expect. They're kind of brand new to hypnosis, and this is the first official training that they're doing. And it's great because it levels off that skill set and breaks the process down into these rather simple, as I call them, work smart principles to help you to get up and running even faster. When you start to realize that all these different techniques out there come down to a few simple replicatable patterns, it helps you to become even more effective as a practitioner. It helps you to customize to people on the fly and still be massively effective. Meanwhile, the other half of the people, let's say on paper, have significant training And yet maybe they're the people who are just stuck inside of rigid protocols or bound to the paper with scripts in front of them. Or perhaps if that's not your issue, you're not yet seeing the consistent results you'd like with your clients. Well, it turns out about half of the people who join Richard and me for this Work Smart Hypnosis Live event, well, that's their story. And by coming in, it's kind of funny because those new people often would feel a little intimidated. Yet it's this way of teaching the content and breaking the process down 
in such a simple step-by-step -step format to, again, customize on the fly, create powerful hypnotic experiences so your client can feel the change actually taking place. And why I bring Richard to the party for this event is about bringing in that evidence-based approach so that you have the right language and the right techniques to then get referrals, network with medical professionals, and truly get out there and help a ton of people. Uh, I mentioned hypnotic workers earlier. That's a program we actually sell online uh, for like $2,000, and that is included inside of Work Smart Hypnosis Live. So check out the video tour. You'll see exactly how we do this hybrid live and online event over at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, let's dive directly in. Here we go. You're going to love this one. Session number 404, Angie Kircher on Hypnotic Mindset. Gosh, so my first experience into this entire world was my crash and burn moment in 2020 when I, as a hospice nurse, was driving to work and felt just this crushing discomfort in my chest. I couldn't breathe. I was in a complete tailspin. My head was spinning and was in a complete panic, thinking perhaps I was having a heart attack. Some other event was going down as a nurse, right? Worst case scenario. And I was having my first panic attack. And so in that moment, that was a game changer for me. I had dealt with anxiety for, gosh, 25 plus years. And in that moment, I knew I needed to do something different. And so I had quit drinking alcohol, I quit sugar, I gave up gluten all that week. And then um, within a few weeks, sought out additional naturopathic therapies, was on all the medications, and nothing was helping. And it was by coincidence and actually kind of synchronistic that my sister-in-law had given me a podcast on subconscious reprogramming. And so I was like, well, let's check this out. And it resonated. And so I dove into what exactly subconscious mind work was. And the further I got into the rabbit hole of understanding this, the more I understood that I had actually created and perpetuated the problem of the anxiety I'd had. And so it became this experience and journey of undoing the years of reinforcement and the anxiety that I had created unknowingly and, you know, taking a multi-step approach to begin to understand how I could also come back from that. And in doing so, found just profound transformation through hypnosis and then also subconscious mind coaching that I wanted to share with other people and found just so profoundly transformative that I wanted to bring it to healthcare. I wanted to bring it to everybody I knew because it was really the secret, uh, kind of the secret key to everything that had kept me feeling small with limiting beliefs and all these other things that many of us struggled with that were relatable. And so it really it was such a, a powerful moment for me and, and with all of that happening. Which, by the way, you just did the amazing thing where I ask you one question and you gave us the roadmap for this entire conversation here, <laughs> <laughs> which thank you for that. I was curious from that, that here's the experience where, yes, there's the fact that you were there working as a nurse in a very specific way. And I'd be curious to ask, we, we find this place where sometimes there's this level of expertise that becomes our strength it also can become our weakness. W would you say that there was this sort of moment inside of there of, here's everything I know, why can't I figure this out yet on my own? 
Completely. And it was really frustrating because as a nurse, I should know how to handle these things, right? I help my patients alleviate anxiety and fear and stress and pain, you know, but my tools that I had were medication. And what I had often seen was that this was not the underlying cause that was driving everything. And a lot of my my colleagues and physicians in hospice had recognized this link between anxiety and pain. And so it became this, I have these limited tools as a nurse and they're not helping. I want to go into that moment just briefly here about, as you said, there I was having my first panic attack. At, at what point in that journey was there actually then the label of panic attack? You know, it was kind of self-diagnosed, but again, as a nurse, I, you know, we diagnose ourselves all the time, but it was really in, you know, Dr. Google, okay, is this what I'm, what I'm going through? And I had called a colleague in that moment because I was in such panic and literally crying in my car saying, I can't live like this any longer. This is not working. And she is someone who herself had suffered from anxiety and also had multiple panic attacks. And in that moment, it said to me, honey, you're having your first panic attack. And um, so having dealt with anxiety, I had never experienced that level of complete shutdown. Um, It was absolutely terrifying. I have to tell you that question was a bit more for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, here's, here's the moment. And let me just break the rules of podcast host for a moment. And it was this day that I thought I was dying. I went to the doctor. It is them going, you're having a migraine. Like I've never had one before. What's that? It's what you're feeling right now. What were you doing? And it was a long project that I had been working on, dehydrated, whole bunch of things. And it then turned into this moment of just utter amusement going, I've helped people relieve themselves from this. Well, oh, that's what that, oh yeah, that makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask, was there some, at least after the fact moment of going, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, I had had one since that time, but it was like, oh my gosh, this is what people experience all the time. Like I thought the anxiety I was dealing with was crippling, but there are people that are in the ER very often with these same symptoms and being told by medical professionals, you know, which is the worst thing you can hear. If there's nothing wrong with you, you're fine, go home. And it really invalidates the experience of just how crippling that feels and how scary it is to feel like your world is closing in and you know you have an elephant on your chest. It's just very, it's, it's terrifying. Well, I'm sure we're going to get into the what and the why in terms of how you know, you've been able to then learn skill sets and then apply that to the work of other people. I'd be curious about just the how of now that you've gone through that experience and now here's these skill sets, does that inform differently how you would approach working with someone, which yes, there's now different modalities that are in place in this journey, but having gone through that yourself, does that inform, how much does that inform the work you do? Oh, I mean, it impacts my work tremendously because in part, you know, I can relate. I understand what people are going through. I have been there. I am someone who developed anxiety at 13, 14 years old. So for all my life, essentially, I've I've felt this. And um, so I understand A, what it feels like, but B, that this is not a, a lifelong diagnosis that you're forced to contend with. And I'm not saying there aren't cases where people have it for other reasons, Um, but that, you know, there is hope that you can, you can do a lot of things to support yourself into alleviating many, many, many of those symptoms. So it allows me to have a a sense of compassion and deep understanding for people that, that this is very real. 
Well, there's a way you phrased something a few moments ago. There's a way that I know whether it was inside of one of the communities you're a member of of mine or whether it's another conversation of ours, which is not this entire throw out the entire model, every medication is bad. It's instead, though, when it becomes the, this is the only solution. Mm -hmm. And instead, though, the way that something that's a bit more, let's say, compounded, the way that you were addressing it from a nutritional standpoint by a, what other things could I change in the system to make things better, rather than problem equals pill. Correct. Which the medication can be life-changing for the right person at the right time, yet it's kind of like how I'm hearing from even your story, it wasn't this linear because this thing one happened once, I then had this result. It was this compounded thing. So it kind of makes sense to have a compounded process to get out of it too. Completely. And that's just it. You know, I, I, I was trained in Western healthcare and there's a time and place for so many of those tools. And they're just that. They're supports, you know, as you're on your healing journey. And and I will never tell someone that medication is not the route. Um, because here's the thing, as I was going through my journey, I was on the maximum dose of, of a, an antidepressant to help with anxiety. And as I began to heal, I was able to wean down um, on that because I was doing other things to support me. So it wasn't this all or nothing. It was really this kind of taper into additional modalities that support it because there really is a time and place for everything, for nutrition, for mindset work, for medications. And so um, to, to have this idea that it's one size fits all that oftentimes we do get in healthcare, it really does a disservice to individualizing what people need at that time. So now at what point in this journey, because it sounds as if the first part of it was let me use it for myself. At what point was there a pivot, if you'd even say that, to then go into the learning mindset to then take on the skill set necessary to then launch clearly what you do now? Yeah, great question. And it was really an evolution in the sense of as I was healing and evolving and growing, I really started to have kind of this awakening to the dysfunction of the the healthcare model that I was in that didn't resonate and not that it's bad there you know there are great things about it but my my heart and kind of my soul was being guided into really doing in doing this and it's what sets my soul on fire and so when people talk about what's your passion I love hospice I absolutely love it what sets my soul on fire mindset work this all of learning all these things. And so it was about a year of doing, you know, the the kind of the crash and burn moment happened in the spring of 2020. So after, you know, COVID and all the world just was really in disarray. So about a year. And in that time, though, I was getting a lot of kind of signals from the universe of like, hey, you know, look into this more and you will never miss your calling. And so the the, the more I kind of resisted this, this, um, change, the the louder the signs got. And um, I it was terrifying. I had a lot of stories myself to work through about limiting beliefs surrounding this entrepreneur mindset and all these things. But in the course of the work I had done and the healing I had done, I was really able to work through limiting beliefs. So it was, um, you know, about two years ago, I made the decision that I was going to be exiting healthcare and doing something in the mindset work field, although I wasn't totally clear on what that was going to look like. And so that evolved kind of naturally as I received my own hypnosis, my own coaching that I'm like, this is what I love. And I want to learn how to do this really well to help people in the same way that I was benefited from it. 
So then one part of it was the hypnosis, one part was the coaching. Was there a specific sequence that you went through? You know, hypnosis was the foundation of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really dive into understanding how this works. And then it was in part my experience because what was so profoundly transformational for me was not not the hypnosis alone, but the practical tools from coaching that I'd received that, you know, I had done therapy and other things over the years, and I never received tools like this, that, that provided me this quick ability to shift my attention to get out of that headspace that would have previously caused me to go into deep anxiety. And so I really find it very valuable for people to to receive not only hypnosis for the subconscious work, but the tools to know when you're triggered in real life, because we're human, we're going to have things that come up that upset us, that start to trigger old beliefs within us. And if we have the skill set to recognize and then move through that, which is that coaching model, you move through it with a lot more grace and ease, whereas something, you know, otherwise without that skill set would totally sideline a lot of people. Well, how, how would you define the difference? For those that would ask, what's the difference between one one and the other? Between hypnosis and coaching? Yeah. Yeah. So with the hypnosis, you know, I, I tell people that is really the subconscious mind work so that the limiting beliefs where all of our habits live, those things that we do on the regular without even thinking, we are tackling that with hypnosis. So we're getting to, depending on what they're coming in for, sometimes the emotional cause of it, sometimes we're working on really empowering what's already awesome within them on a subconscious level where it begins to create those new neural networks in the brain, reprogramming the brain from the inside to default to more productive ways of being. Now, the I talk about the coaching as that conscious mind work. That's the you and I sitting here talking today. So, so all right, in our conscious mind, you know, you're, you're making the kind of the unconscious conscious through the work of coaching and hypnosis. And so, you know, as you start to make the unconscious conscious, on the conscious level, you then have tools to be able to handle what's coming through and work through it in a way that's a lot more efficient and provides a much, much better outcome. And as you take these two parts together, how would you say that works together in such a way that really begins to, let's say, not only create the change, but also create a skill set, let's say, for the client? Right. So everyone's different. So when clients come to me, they're coming for a variety of very different things. And so it's really tailoring the tools based on what they're coming in for. So if someone's coming in with a lot of stress, anxiety, we're talking about tools to to better regulate the nervous system. So I may teach them some EFT tapping or, you know, other modalities that kind of allow their system to calm naturally, while then, you know, also doing the hypnosis for, for alleviating kind of that default to the stress response, people that perhaps are having relationship issues. We do a lot of reframing, kind of looking at it from an eagle eye viewpoint of kind of the higher higher perspective, because when you're in the throes of a lot of stress, whether it's relationships, whether it's your own struggles with um, anxiety or smoking cessation, whatever it is, when you're in the throes of that, it can be really hard to kind of pull yourself out. So we, we do a lot of reframing and a lot of challenging those limiting beliefs. Um, so everyone's a little bit different, but I do find a lot of overlap with the tools that are successful kind of across the board because, you know, who doesn't have stress? Who doesn't want to know how to alleviate stress when they're having a day? So those are pretty practical things for a lot of people. Is there a story that comes to mind of, let's say, working with a client that not to in any way put down the backstory of the work you were doing before, uh, but is there a story that comes to mind though that really helps to you know emulate 
why you've made that transition? You know what? I mean, there's, it's, it was a, a culmination of a lot of things, you know, in regards to my, my hospice experience, I had really seen a lot of um, disconnect with, it was interesting because I would have these patients, for example, who would come in with really devastating diagnoses. So like stage four terminal pancreatic cancer, which has a very poor prognosis and they would do astronomically well. And then I would have patients come in who had maybe milder diseases, but were still, you know, not great, of course, who would do horribly. And the commonality that I saw over all of my years of experience was where they were holding their attention, what they made their disease mean to them, and the mindset that they carried on. People that had a lot of goals and a lot of intentions for their future did really well quite often. The people that were just, you know, believed they were given this death sentence and that the doctor said, I'm dying in two months, and therefore that's the case, tended to crash and burn a lot faster. So it was really fascinating. And again, because I was a nurse, you know, my tools were limited to just alleviating the, the, the symptoms on a medication level. Whereas I knew that within within what I was observing, there was a much deeper belief system at play that I wasn't, because of my credentials, able to do anything with because that was, you know, that's what the the therapists or social workers do. You know, nurses stay in your lane, pass some pills. And so it, it got really frustrating. And I started to have, honestly, an ethical dilemma with with how I was showing up with these patients. Like, hey, I understand you're having anxiety. Here's a Here's a crap ton of medications to snow you. When I know that I'm just bandaging it, you know, and it never really helped alleviate anything in a way that was meaningful. I flashed to just brief anecdote of my father had a pacemaker put in about a year ago, and that's required a few not quite emergency trips to the hospital. Uh, yet it was the more recent trip as the nurse is there, and clearly he's been in residence at this hospital more than the doctor who's been assigned. And it was this beautiful moment of going. I need to follow the rules of the ranks of our system. However, I'm not about to let you leave with that medication. This is what <laughs> needs to happen. This is what we run into. The doctor who invented the procedure that you have is at a residence at this hospital. Let me make some calls. You're spending the night here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's that moment of advocacy at times. And, you know, I've heard even Dan Candell say it's like the client's you know, interaction with us is that we are their advocate for change. I, what you just shared there reminds me of a story that um, a man who was in the profession before you got into it and passed away a number of years ago by the name of Michael Elner. And Michael was one of the first people on record working with people with HIV and AIDS. And a big thing that he talked about was the same thing you just brought up, that well, the markers on the blood work, uh, this report from the lab, this phrase from the doctor says it's this. And he goes, and this is what became his self-hypnosis process, which was centered on three themes, happy heart, peaceful mind, playful spirit. And he would say, I didn't invent that. I didn't come up with it because I thought it was clever. Those were the things that were being talked about from people who were stage four cancer who had mm -hmm. the bone directly digging into the nerve, and yet it wasn't everything that defined their life. Or someone, yeah. and not that it needs to be a comparison game, someone who had a less serious diagnosis, I'll call it out, a man with a cold, uh, who then... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who then, you know, let's terminal. Become, terminal. <laughs> I had 
mono for like 11 months when I was 17. At this point, I just get the sniffles. Um, <laughs> so that's not quite me, but I know the stereotype. But it's the small thing becomes everything that ruins the day. Mm-hmm. And it probably is one of those fastest things that you, you can't pull back and claim, oh, that's why this person's issue got worse. That's why it ended in tragedy. Yet the pieces kind of line up sometimes. Absolutely. And it's so fascinating because I, I'm obsessed with epigenetics, the study of how our mind influences our biology. Um, there's so many good books out there that really chronicle and with with credible backing support the influence of, of the chemistry changes within our brain that happen as a result of a thought that can result in disease. And I believe the uh, the statistic is somewhere around 90% of all doctor's visits are related to stress at the core. There is a stress component that either, you know, ruins your immune system, making you more susceptible to something. You have chest pains, you have anxiety attacks, whatever it is. And it's so profoundly powerful that within those beautiful minds of ours, we have the capacity to actually recreate our biology in a way that can facilitate healing or or, you know, focus on having more disease. And so I think this, this idea that we're suddenly at the mercy of our genes or of our external circumstances really is beginning to get debunked within the community. And it's a really exciting time to be alive and witnessing this, because I think when people begin to understand the impact that they have, and that, you know, they can take accountability for their health and wellness and mindset, there's a lot of positive change that can come out of that. I think this has to be the moment that we nerd out for a moment. Heck yes. Okay. Uh, Favorite piece of research? (laughs) I mean, gosh, I love Dr. Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief. I love all Joe Dispenza's work. Um, I'm reading a book now called The Genie in Our Genes. There's so many amazing books that talk about this that at one point was considered woo-woo or spiritual mumbo-jumbo that we're beginning to understand that all of these things, you know, everything is energy and everything has this powerful influence um, more than just, you know, thinking it's an innocent thought. It, it begins to, we understand now how that can create our reality on our external circumstances. So, um, oh gosh, I have so many books, but how about you? <laughs> I'd point to, there's two specific pieces of research that uh, if I remember right, this is me looking at a website that we're actually about to kill because I'm not in Virginia anymore. So maybe you should go to archive.virginiahypnosis.com and we'll have it there. But in the explore tab, there's hypnosis research. And let me see if I actually have this up there. No. And one of them has a last name. Is it spelled the same way as yours? Uh, No, different. It's Kirsch, not Kirscher. Um, There's a study by Irving Kirsch around weight loss. And the way that they tracked it, everybody was given the same diet program and the people using hypnosis lost almost three times the amount of weight. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love it because we could have a plan and it's our ability to then follow through with the plan is what the biggest factor is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a guy last week for quitting smoking and so well, I tried the, the patch before, but that didn't work. Well, how'd that go? Tell me a little bit more. Well, you know, I never put it on. <laughs> Sir, I think the patch was doing its job. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yet there's another one that is on this page which actually credit to Richard Nongard, a previous episode of the show called Hypnosis Research You Should Know About. And it's a study from May 2015, Hypnosis for the Management of Anticipatory Nausea and Vomiting, going to a fun place here. Mm -hmm. And it was tracking people going through long-term cancer treatment. 
but it's the fact that the study was drawing a very clear line that was not ever saying, oh, this is curing it. Yet the people whose symptoms of you know, sleeplessness, lack of appetite, and nausea, by taking those symptoms down, they were able to get into a more typical routine of health, and by doing so, many of them went into remission. Mm-hmm. But I loved it because it drew a very clear line that it wasn't ever reclaiming, we can fix this. It was instead, here's the part that we serve, but by getting that in order, it kind of sorts out some other pieces too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful in that power and the power of expectation. You know, when we, it, it's really a fine dance in the medical community, of course. You know, you have to make people aware of the potential side effects of medications and treatments and other things. And while I understand that, there's a significant amount that that also plays into the the manifestation of symptoms that people may not have otherwise had. And, and so many research studies on the power of the placebo document and show just that, that the power of what you expect to happen is oftentimes what you create. And, and you can manifest, you know, nausea, vomiting, all these things on a placebo simply because you expect that perhaps that's the medication you're taking that has not, you know, nausea as a side effect. Right. Yeah. I'm laughing because you were in the Work Smart Hypnosis Live event where we had just done something on uh, on like suggestibility tests. <laughs> and it was only because there were three minutes left. And it's like, oh, wait, one other thing. Credit to Sean Michael Andrews for this. And let me just put some people on the Zoom screen with me right now. And uh, it's the story that the other day I was, um, you know, cleaning something and I sliced my, and one person immediately cringed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, there's your easy subject. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's your definition of suggestibility, which is not Sean's story, but we'll still give him credit indirectly here. It's the power of the mind. Is, which Let's kind of transition this chat though, which would be, let's bring it into the user experience mm-hmm. that... First of all, from the training that you went through, and I love that it wasn't just one specific thing. It was, let me follow the coaching route. Let me follow the hypnosis route. I'm sure there's other things you've done along the way. What was the kind of first couple of steps that you took in terms of actually, let's say, opening up shop and bringing in clients? So, I mean, honestly, the first thing for any entrepreneur, in my my opinion, is, you know, getting the mindset straight to, to be able to do this because this is not for the faint of heart. And so with regards to starting a business, it was really, um, I did a lot of interviews with people that were entrepreneurs. I met with a number of hypnotists as well and just asked them about how they structure a business. What do you do when you're starting a business? And um, really took care of pretty much everything myself with just a little bit of support here and there from my husband on, okay, what are the first things? And, you know, and really it's, okay, I got to have business cards. I'd like to have a website to refer people to. And now I got to get out there and let people know I exist. So it was hitting the ground really hard with a lot of networking and disbanding a lot of the misconceptions that exist around hypnosis. There's a lot of belief that it's, you know, for mind control or I'm going to make you quack like a duck as you leave kind of stuff. And it was really helping people understand that the mindset is truly the most powerful asset we have. And using this, these tools will allow you to experience just unlimited power in your life and, and, you know, doing the things that you didn't think were previously powerful. So it was really pretty overwhelming in the first few months, just trying to kind of figure out where to start because you have so many things to do and they all have to get done, but it was really, okay, what can I do today? One foot in front of the next every day being consistent. Yeah. If you could trace it back, what was kind of that turning point where things kind of clicked 
And it was the, okay, yeah, I can do this now. I mean, do you ever feel like that as an entrepreneur? I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember I'm the, I'm the systems guy. So like, here's the stuff that I'm like, we got that totally. dialed in. If we want to make that work, we just run that. Here's the other thing. Let's see what works this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's just it, you know, is like acknowledging the flexibility in what we do in the sense of you're always pivoting, you're always reinventing, you're always learning and adding new things. And that's been the really awesome part of, of this journey is the creativity that I've been able to have in the process of do I think everything's finally tuned in? No, because I'm always growing and learning new things. And that's always going to be how I operate is, you know, seeing what resonates with different clients, seeing what's responded to well, maybe what didn't work as great. And and just kind of being being adaptive to the ever-changing needs of people and who's coming through. So, um, you know, I, I think really this summer when I, I redid my website and I kind of revamped a number of things that maybe weren't quite as tuned in and that seemed to really help of just like all right and it was really making that mindset of like i'm all in like this is happening and there's no there's nothing's going to stop me and it was really becoming like unstoppable in my mindset and in that few short months i accomplished a lot i love that story there about how and the website may be an example of it yet it's the kind of stepping back and going okay, I've done that. That's who I am now. That's what I'm able to do. It's the quote that I share of, when you're the person who does the thing, you're the person who does the thing. And for many people, it's that first time getting paid for the service that the entire story changes. Um, I'm from a family where everybody on my side was the entrepreneur, and there's no, no harm in this. Everyone on my wife's side were all employed. And I saw the real pivot, though, in some of her family members at one point, which is the, oh, that does work. Okay, that is an option too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so walk walk me through. Do you feel there's any specific ways that you kind of approach the process that are, you know, rather unique based on where you've come from, what you've been through, let's say whether it's from the the conversation let's say on the phone to the actual consult, the way you carry out the sessions and I'm sure there's been some very specific ways that you've made this all very much your own based on what you've learned, been through, and uh, really overcome. Yeah. I mean, setting my intention out the gate was profoundly transformative after having gone through my own experience with receiving coaching and then, you know, hypnotherapy to elevate my mindset, work through the limiting beliefs. I carried that through. So I, an unbreakable standard for me is that I do hypnosis every day myself, either, you know, at least once, if not twice a day. And that's really my kind of quiet time to be and kind of get that intuitive insight and just clear the mind because we're so busy throughout the day that I just need that time. So I really focus a lot on being centered. And when it comes to, to drawing in clients, it's really having the mindset of, you know, it's really easy to get into this idea of do, do, do and hustle, hustle, grind, but also that balance of being and trusting that the right clients that are aligned will come through. And that's always been how it's worked out. And so I do consult with clients and they're very similar across the board, kind of getting a sense of what they're doing, um, you know, how they're, what, what, what the concern is and then what they're looking to achieve, but also with a really kind of no sales approach. You know, if, if we're in energetic alignment and I can help you, I am happy to help. And there are some people where I just kind of intuitively, intuitively now, like I'm not the right person for you. And, and I'm okay to say, you know, to say that because I, I truly believe that there is enough to go around for everybody. And so I don't, 
tend to often get in the scarcity mindset of, I have to take on every client. It's really, I trust that the people that are most aligned will, will come through and those will be the ones that sign on. And those tend to be the ones that, you know, as they sign on, I learn as much from them as they learn from me. And it's just this really beautiful synergy of, of growth together um, as, you know, I'm teaching them these skills. They're also teaching me about resilience and all of these powerful things. So it's a really cool, cool dance that, um, that we have. Well, that's the the strength of it too. That I, I tell the story and second Sean Michael Andrews reference of the podcast. Apparently, uh, we all wish we can call back our first client and say, "No, really, I got better. Please come back." <laughs> and it was the first client ever that then called up years later, going, "Hey, I just did that with you as a favor because I know you were studying that stuff, but I really had no interest in quitting smoking, so that's probably why it didn't work. But I'm ready now, and we work together and." Mm-hmm oh, wow, that was very different in, inside my head. It's like, because I had no idea what the clue, what the F I was doing back then. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, now it's, I have an idea what I'm actually doing. And of course, out loud, I go, well, you came in with a different set of goals. That's why it was a different process and mm-hmm. tried to keep a straight face as I said that. Uh, yet it's this sort of snowball effect that we're gathering more skills. We're gathering more knowledge. We're getting better and better at it the more that we do it. And that helps us to then work with the people that we know we can serve the best. And for some of the others, if it is the extreme case, see all the red flags waving before they pick them up Mm -hmm. uh, as to "Mm, not quite a match. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then in terms of just the shape of things, let's just get into some nuts and bolts. What's working these days to actually, let's say, get found and have the clients come in? Yeah. So I, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about networking has been a huge way of visibility for me. I am in a a local networking, a few local networking groups. I know you're familiar with BNI and then there's a a women's chambers group. So I'm constantly out there meeting people and, and with what we do, you know, relationships are really important because, you know, people are are trusting us with a very important asset, which is their mind to do powerful, transformative work. And so, you know, building the relationships first and foremost with what I do is just profoundly important. Um, and I, I get a lot of clients through Google. So people will find me through my website and, you know, um, just out of curiosity, like, hey, do you help with this? I see you've got this on your website, but this is what I'm looking for. And so, you know, a lot of the traffic has come just organically through, through Google. So those have been kind of the big things that I've been I've been up to. So then from the background, for, for those that are not familiar with exactly, I have a family member who does the same thing, so I just took it on as fact. For those that are not familiar with your background as hospice nurse, what exactly is that? Yeah. So for 13 years, I have worked with uh, patients who've uh, been diagnosed with terminal diagnosis and at end of life. And so they come on to the hospice program with a life-limiting illness, and their focus is primarily comfort-based care. Mm-hmm. And then from that experience, how would you say that either has <laughs> motivated you toward a specific approach, or perhaps it might some of it might be motivated away from a specific approach, to let's say how that first meeting goes? I mean, I'm very holistic in how I operate. And so I am not a one size fits all. And I have a lot of clients that come through that I'm like, gosh, you would really benefit from a naturopath based on what I'm hearing. Or you might need, you know, an energy healer or some acupuncture, or this might be a good thing. So I'm very, uh, very inclusive of referring clients that I see to a lot of other practitioners, because I know what I do is very helpful 
but it's only one piece of the puzzle. And yeah. so, and I saw that a lot with, with hospice was, you know, these are all great tools. They're all appropriate. Um, but it is, it is this dance of adding these different elements in at the appropriate time to meet the the patient's needs. And so I think it's really important to be collaborative with what we do. Well, in defense of that, and tell me if I have this wrong, then again, it may be different from one location to another, that with hospice, because of the nature of it, it's all in residence. And like I think to the one story ever of a doctor who refused to sign a referral form for me, and I could back up the reason he said why. They had an acupuncturist on staff that had been trained in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that makes sense. Here's the time that I specifically switched to general practitioner doctor because they were in the same practice as another specialist I was seeing. And this way, it was they could talk about me. At one point, I had both doctors in the same room addressing the same issue, and it simplified. Uh, the end of that story, though, is this acupuncturist had only taken a one-day training event as a preview um, that I taught. Uh, so then <laughs> yeah. the acupuncturist and the potential client marched themselves down to the head of the practice, the doctor, and go sign the form. Mm-hmm. And he did, and she came in. So the insi- the inside of it, the intention was good. Uh, but is that often true of that model that it's the, you know, it, it's what's on site? So with, well, yeah. So when I, I, I had actually approached bringing uh, hypnosis into the organization that I was working for, and um, it was really a lot of red tape. You know, this is, they have to have all the staff trained the same. This has to be equally offered to everybody. And it became, you can do guided meditations, but you can't do hypnosis. <laughs> and despite, you know, the, the records that show and the, the data that shows we can drastically improve pain and anxiety with these techniques and how it can be a profoundly uh, cost-effective thing for companies, it was definitely met with this just can't happen. And so it was one of those things where, you know, I, I just, I don't provide it. I still work on call as a hospice RN on occasion, and it's just not something that I am able to integrate. And there's, there's some other things too, with regards to, you know, a lot of our folks are on medications that impair their mindset. And so hypnosis is not going to be as easy on, on those folks. And, and just as, as we get older, it's just not necessarily, um, as, as effective as per se someone whose brain is ready to, to be molded and reshaped. And so they're definitely, I've found that in certain populations, people that have any kind of uh, brain disease or trauma, like head trauma, it's just not something that is well received. And that tends to be a lot of the population within the hospice community because of specifically heavy medications are on I mean, is a big factor. Well, I think to one moment, which was either the best or the worst medical experience ever, and it was the time the doctor looked at us and said, in the hospital with my wife, I'm not trained in natural childbirth, so I need to go find one of the other doctors who is. Oh. And it was, one walked out and within minutes, the other one walked in and goes, oh, hypnobirthing, this is easy. Uh, let me give you my cell phone number, because when she's ready, just give me a call and then I'll come in. But otherwise, I'm just sitting on the bed and waiting like you are. Yes, totally, totally. Oh, nice. (laughs) But that phrase of, I'm not trained in that. Yeah. uh, Which just was only met with a thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I love the way that you've answered that because it's easy, especially as, you know, one of the dangers, not just in business, but even in the work that we do is comfort and to keep doing what feels natural or to find ourselves falling into a rhythm and doing it just because that's what has worked in previous times. 
that uh, you know even on the business side of things, if we've just signed on the amazing client and everything went exactly as it was supposed to go on the phone call, and we bring that energy into the next phone call, it could feel like it's the right energy, but it might not be the energy that other person needed. Mm-hmm. And so just to be in the moment, in the experience, uh, there's a question I don't usually ask here, but I really want to. Uh, what are you excited about? Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> I mean, I already picked that up from the chat. You know, there, there. I have found that it's really interesting because I never had an entrepreneur mindset. I never had this like complete excitement for life prior to, not that I wasn't enjoying life, but prior to what I'm doing now, I was kind of going through the motions, you know, like many people do. You go to college, you get a job, and that's kind of your everyday grind. And I genuinely wake up every day so excited to learn, to learn better techniques with hypnosis, to learn. I, again, I'm absolutely obsessed with mind, body, understanding, medicine, epigenetics, all of that stuff, energy, frequency, all these things. So there are so many things that I am just consuming and taking in. And it'll be really fun to just start to incorporate some of these new things as I evolve and grow um, because I think there's just profound opportunities within not only hypnosis, but with mindset to help people on a very personalized level. And I feel like, you know, I'm only scratching the tip of the iceberg in what I'm learning because there's just so many awesome things that you can dive into. Awesome. So where can people find you? How could they learn more and get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website is angiekircher.com and you can follow me on Facebook, Angie Kircher Hypnosis. And I'm also on Instagram and the Tiki Takis. Nice. And we'll link to everything over at the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. I'll give you the spelling as someone who is careful about my last name being butchered. They always add four extra letters in a silent Q. <laughs> K-I-R-C-H-E-R. Yep. So Kircher, exactly what you would think. Don't try to add a T. Yeah, right? or a nur. There's, no, there's no Kirshner, it's Kircher. <laughs> it's, I've learned to spell my last name with, uh, yours is seven. I'm like, there's six letters in my last name and I spell it on rhythm and they still add an extra letter. So. Yeah, yeah, they find it, yep. <laughs> See, we actually did this moment, so now everyone knows your website. There we go. Look at that, angiekircher.com. You know how Beautiful. to spell it, seven letters. Uh, so we'll link to that over in the show notes, worksmarthypnosis.com. I've been looking forward to this chat and excited to hear what you're up to and even more excited that let's do this again in about a year or so and hear the developments of um, appropriately what you're nerding out on, uh, <laughs> the developments that are there and just keep it all up. I love it. Um, awesome. Any any final thoughts before we wrap up for the week? Gosh, I mean, invest in, in your mindset, your growth. There's so much potential. And I think so often we get stuck in our own way and in our own head. And it's just so cool to see people find their power when they can really alleviate some of these subconscious blocks that are keeping them playing small. There's a lot of, a lot of good to be done in this world. And it's really cool to be on this side as I quote myself as a peaceful disruptor here to create positive change. So thank you. This has been so fun. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for leaving your reviews online, for interacting with our guests, and head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 404. That's where you'll see exactly how to connect with Angie to find out even more about the incredible work that she's doing. And while you're there too, check out worksmarthypnosislive.com. Activate your hypnotic skill set, amplify your confidence, 
get out there and help a ton of people. Check out the details, watch the video tour at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.